0: Welcome to Hivriya Cast, the podcast where I, Aladna Harai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of HivriyaCast. I am super excited. I have with me um, a, few, a few months ago even now I had Brad Hirschfield, who, who is the co-president of CLAL, and now I have the other co-president, Erwin Kula. Welcome, Erwin. I'm glad to be here. Delighted. Yeah, so, good to, so good to have you. <laughs> I mean, I see you every day, but this is, uh, I don't get an opportunity usually to sit with you for a whole hour. so Have it's... a real conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not just exactly. a work conversation. Exactly, exactly. It would be nice. <laughs> so um, thanks again for joining me. Um, you know, why don't you tell me a little bit about, you know, I think what's interesting about CLAL is that it's this mm. expansive thing. And so sometimes it's hard to talk about what we do. Sometimes I, I don't even myself, and I have a, a specific, more specific role, I think, like in a sense. So I'm curious how you describe your position at cloth.
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually you, have the same problem very often. Very right. often. I mean, part of it indicates we're in this kind of crazy moment in which as soon as you try to define anything, it probably is not working for for yourself or for other people. But <laughs> right. I get up in the morning and don't you know, conceptualize myself as the co-president of <laughs> Okay, In fact, it it took a long time for me to even be able to say the words president of Klau. <laughs> uh, but I, I've gotten up in the morning for many, many years already, um, worried about or invited to or excited about the reimagining of Judaism for this moment. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really big so I can narrow it down and say... I think about the uh, intersection between Judaism and innovation and genuine human flourishing. And I think putting those three things together is fairly new. We generally don't think about innovation and religion, Mm -hmm. we think about preservation and religion. Uh, And we have so disconnected the real, genuine purpose of religion, which is to help us flourish fully as human beings, that to even put those two words together, is pretty rare these days, so I'm at that intersection, mm. and it's a very creative intersection because mm. um, it hasn't been brought together. You use the right buzzword there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, buzz. right. Okay, it's a
0: creative <laughs> intersection. That's interesting. So, in what sense do you mean it's a creative intersection? You know, I, I
1: do this. Word. I did this uh, character strength study. It's mm-hmm. like a survey that we do here um, from the VIA Foundation and there's twenty four character strengths, and these are the character strengths that we cultivate and develop yeah. as part of what it means to be a healthy flourishing human being and i every time I do, and I do it every couple of years, I score out that creativity is my <laughs> is my uh, first character strength by the way self regulation is my twenty fourth <laughs> uh,
0: I feel like those two probably tend and to correlate, I hope they like summ correlate
1: you know? <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh, i think when you when you mix People, when you mix ideas, when you mix disciplines, when mm. you um, either spontaneously or even in a disciplined way put things together that are not usually put together, you wind up with creativity. It takes a certain amount of f- fearlessness, um, although I think it also takes a certain amount of um, Yirat Shamayim to do it right—a sort of um, a sort of awe at how little we are, even in the midst of our creativity. Um, but being creative is to create something that hasn't been thought about exactly that way. It's not brand new, there's nothing, you know, in there's nothing 100% new. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you put something together and you say, gosh, or oh my God, I never thought of it that way. Mm. That's the business I really am in. Yeah. I never thought of it quite that way. I love to experience that myself from other people, and I love to provoke that. Um, I think that that opens up a lot of possibilities for us in the way we look at the world, the way we look at other people, the way we look at ourselves.
0: Right. That's interesting. It's funny because it's like you say, I feel like a lot of times when you describe all of this, a lot of it to me sounds... Intuitive, in a weird way, (laughs) intuitively anti-religious, right? Because it's like you're saying, you know, I want to think about this timeless thing differently. I want to approach it in a, you know, a way that I haven't thought of before, you know, and maybe in ways others haven't thought of before.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's actually one of the real challenges uh, for uh, a lot of domains right now. But I know the religious domain the best in that we seem to have um, dualized or dichotomized or split apart the uh, love for and embrace of and preservation of an inherited tradition and the ongoing development creation of of new stuff that allows us to move the drama ahead. And I always say that a tradition and an innovation are actually the same thing. It's just a pacing question, that there's no such thing as a tradition that wasn't an innovation at one moment. <laughs> so all a tradition is, all a tradition is, is an innovation that made it. And all an innovation is, is potentially a tradition. So when we dualize these things, it's, um, it's actually anti-creative. I think it, on the other hand, there's real trauma that people have and that systems have that make them shut down. And we're in a period in which there's so much uncertainty and so much change that paradoxically, even though at those moments, they are also the most creative moments, they're also the moments where people, you know, mask the uncertainty with incredible certainty. And I think certainty and creativity are um, antonyms.
0: Oh, wow. That's a pretty strong statement. I think that
1: they're antonyms, or at least they're suggested, as suggestively antonyms. That that creativity requires an ability to um, leap into the unknown. Mm. Now, again, ironically, spiritual people, quotation marks, religious people, we ought to be the best at that because to leap into the unknown when you actually have faith or when you trust... Mm. That it will be all right. Now, how we trust and, and what generates that trust is another issue, but we should actually be the most creative. How is it how did it come about in our society that entrepreneurs who are actually building stuff of a relatively small narrow bottom line are the are the creative <laughs> uh risk-taking people in the world that we honor and celebrate and somehow. The spiritual religious domain produces uh, preservationists and traditionalists understood the most narrow way or uh, precedent-driven people. I don't know how we... I mean, I know how we got there in <laughs> some ways, but but there's something very off there. It's interesting. I mean, look, 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 at, the, look at the great religious traditions. So look at Judaism, which I know best. It starts... At a moment of creativity, it doesn't start with it doesn't start with freedom, it doesn't even start with love. It doesn't. It starts with creating, and then hopefully in the creating, love and care and compassion and 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 the ability to discern right from wrong and all the other things. But it starts with being creative. The first quality of of. Whether it's the Karash Baruch or the God we imagine and project, I don't care. That's someone else can debate. The first quality
0: yeah.
1: is being creative, and not from nothing, right? Not, in, not surely in the early biblical tradition, out of s- soupy, crazy chaos, and that somehow gets put together.
0: Okay, I have like a, so many billion. I have like a billion thoughts. I'm trying to figure out which one I want to do first. Um, I was just going to, a small note, I was I was thinking about how also an aspect of creativity that I think is, uh, for preserve, like preservationists, is maybe a good way to put it, as you, as you said, is like, um, that there's an aspect of creativity, which requires a certain degree of failure and a certain degree of errors and, and willingness to appear, um, to not just appear wrong, to be wrong, right? Right. You know, and that sort of thing, and and and
1: publicly, right. you know, say expression, you know, that uh, cre- creative expression. But then means, we should have if we, right. have if we have if we have Yom Kippur in our personal lives, and we know we have to build in in quotation marks moments of recognition of yikes, right. that didn't go well. Why can't we have it in our in our like creative lives? Right. You know, it's of course if if you if we want to develop the ongoing religious traditions and paths of these ancient systems we're going to have to take wrong directions (laughs) and then when we take wrong directions we have our own tools to be able to say hey yikes wrong wrong turn how are we going to do it together how do we make a turn together and you know i mean you look at the abraham story and and the and the most important part of the story is is when he wanders off track That's the fulcrum of the story. And it says he wandered away and we know, right? He lies and this and that. And and it's not, we're not embarrassed that you wander off the path, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's, there's, again, we can't do, if you want to preserve something, it's like, assuming it's out of love and not fetish. And I think that's a real problem. Right, that's, uh... I, I think there's a lot of preservation going on in religious that is out of very, very odd fetish. But let's say you want to preserve something, okay? If I want to preserve the love that I have for my wife, letting it breathe and grow <laughs> is the best way and experiment mm. and fail and be forgiven is the best way to actually preserve the love. So I'm okay with preserving. But the strategy for preservation has to be creativity. That's such
0: a great muscle. Because I, I remember when <laughs> I wrote about this, so I think it's okay. I, I talk about it as well. But like my first week of marriage, I remember... <laughs> I it's had, already funny. Right, exactly. <laughs> I had, had already... I read. All this stuff because you know you have the week away and and all this. So I'd read all I'd been like downloading all this um, like Hasidic writing about about marriage and and there specifically um, Shalom Sharush Shal says like you know kind of like never complain and and all these things and and very he, he himself says in the book like this is very high standard and you're gonna have to read this book a lot and blah blah, blah. but um, but I remember being like all right I am <laughs> never going to complain I'm going to be like. Whatever. And I remember like, so the first week was great. And then I just remember <laughs> this. We had this Chavez where I, we both just like melted and fell apart and like, just, we couldn't handle it. You know, we just like exploded in our, in not just with each other, but like in our heads, we're just like, I can't handle this anymore <laughs> together at the same time. You know? And I think that's like, it really, that, that's, I think that's such an inter- interesting way to put it. Like when you, either way it's about love, right? It's either way it's about, the whole idea is like if I didn't allow myself to do the screw ups that he describes not to do, which are accurate. But it, like if I, by not allowing myself to do that, then it created obviously much worse problems yeah, a week right. later, and relatively quickly understood right. that it's not a way to live. Like, well, I mean, the, I think there's
1: yeah. where you know I wrote a book called Yearnings, Embracing mm-hmm. the Sacred Messiness of Life, and I think we don't like messes, but they are sacred, and the, and the fact is that. Mm A genuine love upsets and upends the normal course of things. It it upends a sort of linear path. And then the really question is when you, it's like when you get off whatever you think the derech is, right? (laughs) The really interesting thing to do is to use that for wisdom to figure out what the next derech is. And I don't care if, and that is the act of, and that is a creative act. Right. Right. Creative Act isn't only like building the next app. I mean, that is a creative act. And it's just making our lives the 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 sculpture, our lives, the painting, our lives, the text worthy of being chanted. You know. It's a really creative thing to create, you know, a scripture. Right. And it's even more creative to create a life that's worthy of being chanted.
0: And I think that that's what I think that's where the kernel of truth of that fear comes from as well, because that's good. The, 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 you know, the other thing that I kept thinking about was I was like thinking about the world of innovation. I know you've, we've spoken about this a little bit, but like this idea that there's also this concept that creativity is meant to constantly um, break things apart or is con- me- meant to constantly disrupt, you know, as the, in- like if we're talking about innovation, mm-hmm. like it's all, om- that literally became like a fetish, a philosophy, a way of thinking. And there's this forgotten idea that when, like you're saying, when you leave a derech, that means, that has to also mean starting a new derech
1: or else you're just wondering. You and honoring think, that, like. that I think part of, again, this is an American problem is, we've right. we've dualized new and old also. Right. So, yeah. so, and therefore can't appropriately grieve when actually we have been on a path that worked to get us to where we are that's no longer working. In other right. words, we have to either demonize the path, demonize the teachers of the path, demonize the other people who are staying in the path, right. demonize the people who are still using the products of that past, demonize the incumbents, whatever it is. As a, And all that indicates is not having owned the deepest parts of what that path had to contribute to you anyhow. So you're going to have to relive it. So it's, 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 it's an illusion. But but why is it that we can't say, this is no longer working for me, right? And when I say me, not the narcissistic, but me trying to figure out how to live a life worthy of, of the gift of life, you know? and And how come I can't leave a path without demonizing it? How come I can't... Mm. There's no such thing as not taking all of who we are with us. So it, it's either it's coming one way or the other. Either it's coming with a demon, conscious demonization or it's coming with unbelievable repression. But it's coming with you. <laughs> so the best thing to try to do is say, gosh, to ask the, you know, the what's different about me right now and my moment right now that this isn't working for me? that worked for me right before, that worked for me two years ago. And then honor what we leave behind. We, we shame us. We, we, we take, a page gets ripped out of our, a book, a page gets ripped out of our life, and we don't step on it and throw it in the toilet. We bury it because we imagine it has a certain sort of life and honor and deserving of honor. I, I don't understand why we can't do that um, as we, in this very very volatile period, watch and learn about a lot of things that haven't worked and that are not working. So, by by demonizing the old as opposed to honoring, by not sometimes you need to say kaddish for your own path, and saying kaddish for your own path or a piece of your path is really different than, than saying you know f you to that path. Mm. It's a real big difference. Yeah, I know as someone who and it's hard, and I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not this is yeah, living creatively is hard. <laughs> it's hard. It, it's 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 not here are the six steps of being creative and poof. <laughs> living and and making the the subject of creativity the artwork itself you. Now that's like hard on steroids. Mm. But there are ways around. I mean, there are ways that that mitigate the the difficulty. Right. We know. A, a, a partner who we really can trust can mitigate the difficulty. A, a uh, Colleagues who can do the best they can even when they disappoint each other and, and stay in there. That helps. So there are real ways. I mean, prayer, study, good food, taking care of ourselves. There are a lot of things that can, that can mitigate uh, the dualizing and fear that's so much a part of this uh, volatile times that calls for creativity.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. I just had something and I lost it. But I think, oh yeah, I was saying that. Um, I think it's interesting because I, yeah, uh, I can see in myself how much of a of of that difficulty exists. Because um, I know, like you know, I've kind of left a path, but still wanted to have a. Foot in there, and then mm-hmm. finally was decided that you know I couldn't call myself by that label anymore, which was itself its own um, decision. And I think, um, and it's interesting because I remember Dafka specifically wanting to kind of burn it all down on the way out. And I, and I know that there's probably been moments where I
1: have, right? Like, look, there's a role for Tisha above too. Think. So I, I, there is a role for Tish above um in which the whole thing needs to be burned down so it can be rebuilt <laughs> but i think you know tishabov is a, is a really 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 i mean no part of combustible day
0: right.
1: and and i and i know we don't you know most people will most people don't even know what tishabov is but but to have a you know burn down the temple day which is burn down the entire construction of who you are you know it's a very sophisticated and charged thing to have a day like that mm. um but it's not every day right and and That's interesting yeah so knowing how to use these it's a very it, how to use these technologies so to speak right um and i think there's another piece is also we there's a different uh tension anxiety agmas nefesh, there's a different agmas nefesh, there's a different um, anxiousness that comes with uh, being different sorts of people. If I am by character um, less of a risk taker, Mm. right? I'll have one sort of agmas nefesh, which will come for, I'll always think I'm, I'm, you know, not pushing it enough, or Mm. I'm settling, or I'm compromising, And, and... Right, or and if one is constantly a risk taker and there'll be another Agma Snefish, is I'm going over the cliff and um so knowing knowing who you are in the drama of traditioning, <laughs> of pathing, of of innovating, preserving, knowing who one is in the drama is helpful because then you know what your Agma Snefish is gonna be. If I worked in an established bureaucratic and none of these are pejorative words, a legacy institution that required a lot of rules and a lot of higher and a lot of a lot of um holding back, the I I would die, right? Because that kind of agmas nefesh I can't deal with, but I can deal with crazy the craziness of klal, the the, <laughs> the, the the miscommunications, the, the the people making decisions, no one knowing. I can deal with that because that's an agmas nefesh that I'm, I'm I, I got it. That's but. I also then have to own, un- own here's what happens to that. You don't have the same amount of resources as I, did if I would in a legacy institution. There's always a little bit more on edge. Am I going to make it this fear? That's not the same thing with a multi-multi-million dollar organization that's 100 years old that has an endowment. So the agmas nefesh, there's no escaping the agmas nefesh. The question is, what agmas nefesh do you want to deal with?
0: Yeah, and are you willing to deal with it? Yeah. I think. I think so much of us are spending our lives trying to avoid. I know I I do this quite a bit. Is try to avoid it. You know, I, I, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, of course. Know? Yeah, and then well, you tolerate tolerating up for it later. You know, yeah, yeah, the,
1: toler, learning how to embrace and tolerate um, sadness, disappointment, guilt. The these these emotions that are 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 painful. Is really critically important because if we don't learn how to organizationally or in a relationship or within our own interior system, if we can't metabolize sadness, we will not be able to experience deep simcha because you can't have one without the other. If one never is going right. to experience guilt, yeah. then you, we will not experience pride, okay. okay? Or the pride we experience will be a deeply flawed, arrogant pride. Okay. If we uh, can't experience um, uh, fear, right, then we will not be able to experience excitement. So these emotions that are painful and that create those bad feelings that we want to escape, it's completely understandable. But if we can learn, when we learn how to metabolize them, what we get on the other side is a much richer sense of these more uh, uh, pleasurable Mm-hmm. And that's the dance.
0: I had um, two periods in my life where I had a twitch. And I don't know why you bring up all these like funny memories of mine. But anyway, so I, I remember the first time I was in Israel, I was working at a place that was three hours away, and I had just had a daughter. It was like this crazy situation. And it was like the only job I could find. It ended up being a great job, but it was also three hours away. So each day I'm going back and forth. I'm hardly able to see my daughter, et cetera. And I started developing this twitch. And I remember it lasted for quite a while. And another time was about um it wasn't actually that long ago, maybe like six months ago or something, And I remember I didn't I was like, "How did this it's like starting up again?" And it was embarrassing, you know I'm trying to figure out it wasn't so major, I don't think anyone could really see it, but it drove me crazy, and I couldn't stop thinking about it, you know, and I, it was really it was really upsetting to me, and I was doing everything I could to like try not to. To To distract myself from it, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so then I I um, spoke with my therapist about it. Like, I don't know why. I kind of, for some reason, didn't speak about it with him for a little bit. I finally brought, brought it up with him because my wife actually mentioned to me, like, a oh, lot, you should speak to him about this. So I mentioned it to him. And he's like, I want you to try something, okay? N- next time you have a Twitch, and every time you have a Twitch, say to yourself, okay, I'm having a Twitch. And I tried it and literally the same day <laughs> the twitch went away wow it was crazy it was it was really it was such a lesson to me of what you're describing of yeah. like i was fighting it and fighting it and fighting it or distracting myself from it or trying to pretend like it wasn't there and this and that and all i needed to do was just say okay, I'm experiencing this, and then what? What that ended up revealing was, oh, I'm experiencing you know anxiety. So that allowed me to explore the anxiety, but instead, right. you know, became so focused on the, the external reality of it that ironically made the anxiety worse, and didn't even realize like how to focus on that, you know? Um,
1: right? Because there's see, there is there is wisdom in the sadness. There is wisdom right. in the guilt. There is wisdom in the disappointment. There is. I mean, that's there's wisdom in the anger, right? And 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 that and that's the job. That's the job of being human is to is to try to learn and grow. That that is the job, right? Yeah. You know, Rambam says in the Mora, there's there's basically two purposes for Kol Torah Kula for the whole Torah. There's only two purposes. One is, no Deot Amitiot, which I translate as. Uh, Basically, some existential truth about life. Try not to bullshit yourself too much, right? <laughs> so there should be some existential truth, and and then he says, and, and, and he calls that tikuna nevish and then he says tikuna goof, which for Rambam is two things. One is just we should try not to hurt people. That'd be like a really major accomplishment, and and to bring virtue, develop our virtues. So the body politic, mm. the goof of the. Of the community, the nature the the country mm. right, the body politic, because we have developed and cultivated virtue is a little bit better mm. is a little bit better, and that's the job we've also made everything so complicated mm. you know and and I think part of to get back onto the creativity, part of what creativity about is 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 making things less complicated, right mm-hmm. it's less complicated it may be a very complicated. Piece of art, and it may be a very complex. But it's actually trying to get at something that we've we've mucked up, we've made so complicated, and it's to provoke us to see something, to feel something, to experience something that yeah. that we go, oh my God, or oh right. wow, I never saw it that
0: way. I mean, that's basically the definition of expressions that you've allowed yourself to completely digest something to the point where you can then express it to someone else. That's why like, you know, in Perky and in so many places it talks about the power of being a teacher because it means like you've been able to like, so make it a part of yourself that you're able to, to then talk about it or express it in some way, you know? And it's so interesting because I I brought, I think I brought this up in the podcast before, but like uh, I remember one of the things that's really funny is I'll write, um, I write, you know, a lot of personal stuff. And so, Sometimes I'll write about something that's like a really negative moment I had in my life or something like that, <laughs> and my mom will always call me up. <laughs> and she'd be, she'll be really worried, you know. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. exactly. She'll be like, "Oh my gosh, I read this thing. How are you doing?" And I'll, I'll and every single time, if I, if it took me a while to realize what was going on. I was like, "Yeah, I'm doing great," you know. And and then I and then I realized, like over time, I was like. I'm doing great because, because you were actually yeah, able
1: to write it exactly. Oh, and, wow,
0: that's great! And I, because I had gotten to the that's point great. where I could even do it, you know. So there are some things that I I haven't gotten there yet, and th- those are the things I'm more concerned <laughs> yeah, right, about. Right. But the things that I can write about, that means that I'm I'm gone somewhere with it, and I can put it in this capsule called like a piece of writing, and and off it goes. And now it's in a in, a, in an interesting way. It almost becomes. I think. Yeah, I remember talking about this one. So it almost becomes this thing where. Um it it's it then has its own separate entity aside from you, which is actually yeah. really very healthy. I that's think. really
1: smart. That's yeah. actually really well said. in other words, it's no longer defining you. Right. It's amongst the many, many pieces of you. Right. And and that's a really big thing. I mean, I think this has a lot of implications uh for how we study uh texts in general, how we view art. I mean, there's um w- how do we use these incredible expressions to help us metabolize surface and then metabolize stuff inside of us as human beings? Mm. So I think that's, that's you know, look, we're, and we we pay a price in a society that, that, that creativity is being narrowed essentially to the entrepreneurship world right now. Um, Mm. You know, there are no business models for creativity outside that world right now is my, you know, in general, and that we're going to pay a price on. And you can see, my daughter's a museum educator, um, so she has a degree in art history from Michigan and 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 a degree in museum education from Bank Street, and and she works at three really great, you know, amazing New York museums. And she she tells me how there are, you know, there is no more art or and I'm using art here, but there's no more art and music in in this public school system in New York. And uh, she writes grants, amongst the grants she writes, is for people who live 30 blocks from a museum who've never been in a museum. And not only adults too, but adults and kids. And so we're going to pay a price for this because creativity can't only be um, a technological um, sort of... If we were, if we allowed as much creativity in, in, in these other areas as we have in developing new financial technologies, imagine how the society would be, you know, we have been so creative in the financial realm. (laughs) Sorry, but that's my wife. Oh, it's your wife. Okay. Yes. Yes. But, um, you know, we've been so creative in these other areas and, and, yeah. We're going to need to be creative here, too.
0: It's interesting. I, I forgot who told me this, but Spike Lee apparently said that one of the biggest influences he had as a kid was his mother taking him to museums. I think she took him Psh, weekly wow. to a different museum you know, in New York. And it's fascinating if you think about it, because like, he's had such a, a massive impact on culture in America. And to think that that started from a, a mother visit. taking mm. him... You know this just, and I, th- I thought about that myself. Like, because when I'm watching my kids and stuff, you know, I'm trying to think of <laughs> the easiest way to do it. You know, yeah, right, right. right you right. know, on Sundays I'm in charge, and I'm just like, well, I, you know. And then I, you know, I remember then taking them. They're the six. We have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and also uh, a infant. And I was, I took the six and the four-year-old to the Museum of Natural History. And you know, and they're very young, but it was actually fascinating to see just that that uh like you could just see creativity in their eyes you know and yeah thing,
1: there's right? a there i mean there's a larger problem in the culture regarding permission and playfulness and all this i mean right. gabriella this right. my museum educated daughter she taught me something that i just it, very early on uh in her in her w- kind of work as a meaning maker in museums she takes me on tours every so often and she doesn't let me look at the um <laughs> the um inscriptions yeah you know the the name she doesn't let me do that you'll get to that (laughs) how about just looking Mm. and trusting a little bit before you get you know a perush on it (laughs) perush is important you know and and we're not against it (laughs) but like trust yourself to Mm. what are you seeing then i'll add data to enrich what you're seeing but first what you're seeing before i cut off what you're seeing wow that's beautiful
0: it's really interesting. I hope it's okay. I just was reminded of something again. It was, it's a like kind of like a jump. But it's okay. But one of the things, you know, where there's like this tension right between these either made up or whatever, real whatever like um dualities between um, you know the preservation and then also the the um the radical change, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And I was thinking I was actually today I just happened to reread um, Martin Luther King's, uh, I forgot the exact name for it, a Letter in a Birmingham j- yeah. Jail. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I'm now like, I've become this person where I notice the word creative or creativity. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah so, that's funny. And it was actually really interesting because he was talking about how, and I was thinking about this only because we were talking about this balance. And he was saying how the whole, you know, you, you know the letter, I'm sure, but I'll describe it for listeners. Basically, this letter is, admonishing white moderates for calling him an extremist or calling his move, calling his movement extreme and these sorts of things. And he was saying like this, it reminded me also of what you were saying, how like eventually these feelings and these things we're going through are going to have to be expressed. Right. So he said almost the exact same thing. He said, you know, this uh, thing that's happening among my community is, is, is happening no matter what. And it's, and for some reason it's happening now, and so the question is then, how do we deal with it? And and he's and so he's telling the white moderates that are telling him to kind of
1: calm down, calm down, take his Go time. Yeah.
0: And he's saying like, we can't take our time. Number one, that and that's like it reminds me of this preservation aspect because he's saying like his point was that in effect, what that means is. Like don't change, like right. don't actually uh, right. do anything. And he, but he was also saying like, I'm also fighting this other side, which means like, which he said, if we didn't have this movement, he says, like, I'm convinced. Oh, and the way he phrases it is if we didn't have creative nonviolent mm-hmm. uh, action, then I am convinced there would be blood on the street, right. more, much more blood on the streets. And I was just amazed. First of all, you know, they used to, I was myself in a selfish way obsessed with this. He's creative, nonviolent. And it was just like this fascinating thing because he was saying, like, he was essentially saying what I feel like I wish I had the intelligence to say in such a way that, that like, these are things, you know, these things when we talk about difficult subjects and blah, blah, blah. Like... It's happening. <laughs> right. So the question is, like, yeah. So he... And he was so interesting how he said, like, we have to do it in a creative... We have to channel it creatively. And otherwise there will be literal blood in the streets. Right. Well, they I were mean,
1: in a tur- in turbulent times. I mean, th- right. so I would say that where we have to be profoundly creative is in managing the polarization right now.
0: Right.
1: And it's interesting. And applying our, it's why you need different people being part of conversations. So having people have to manage all those emotions and put it into an article or a poem or a, or or something in music or being able to have them in conversation with with people polarized politically and culturally these sorts of new conversations where people can bring those skills are very important because polarization is um is a mask for profound uncertainty okay mm. that Really what you have is people who at an unprocessed way are so uncertain about going forward, mm. but that's so painful that they hold on to dear life and absolutize the position that they have mm. because we don't, we don't fear change. We fear loss. So change isn't the problem. Mm. It's the inevitable losses we experience, either in anticipatory or real, that that uh come with the change hmm. and that is worthy or i would say it is understandable mm-hmm. that we fear loss right so helping us manage that loss in creative ways is really critical and um we surely need that on the on the polarization side and so that 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 mlk insight that This is actually um, something that's happening no matter what, because this is real. And now the question is, how do we want to manage this very significant change, Hmm. right? Change in our worldviews, change in our values, change in our beliefs, change at at the really, really, really serious level of what this country is going to be about. Well, there's going to be a lot of loss. There's going to be loss. So... He was, what he understood is, and he did two things that I think are central to creative. One is, is he um, said, we can't make the loss violent. We can't have loss of life, Mm. right? Because that's too much loss. We can't process that kind of loss. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he also said, I can mitigate the loss by going back to the primary principles and narrative of the country itself, so I'm not asking the country to become a different country. I'm asking the country to live up to its deepest self-understandings. That's a very, very profound understanding of change. And, it's, and it takes... Tr- to see it, one has to be open because at the same time you hate the country that is oppressing you. you, you you're also understanding and loving it so much that you recognize deep within its DNA is the very, um, is the very energy that will create the next iteration. That's, I mean, that's why he's MLK.
0: Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Because you're not saying
1: the country's evil. Right. Right? You're saying, no, no, no. All of us can live up to the deepest insights of what this country always aspired to be. That is a very, I mean, psychologically to contain that, Talking about internal creativity.
0: Yeah. Especially since in a way he was still understanding that he had to force the change. I mean, I think that's so like such a fascinating thing because as someone who you know, like I also, you know, I've started to not also I, I've started to kind of grasp this idea that that it's kind of it's very hard once you tap into creativity to divorce it from Especially in moments like this, like to divorce it from like the the aspect of that 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 is very hard. Sorry, it almost inevitably leads to being part of some sort of change, right? Right. Some sort of expression of change. Right. Like if if you're in any way communicating about societal stuff, it's very hard not to have that conversation. So the question, it's it's so interesting to me because like the way you describe that, because it's like this. It's not... He's he's saying, yes, like we have to see the beauty in it, but then also we have to hold that these these folks that I see the good in and that I value and it's all these ugly. things, that I don't, the beauty I'm going to the force them. I'm going to force those people right. to come along with me, right. even if they don't want to. I mean, that, like that whole dynamic. like And I do it nonviolently.
1: Them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. I'm going to force it. Force it no, nonviolently.
0: Yeah, and creatively and... Right. and like, uh, gosh! I like. Um... I mean, that's
1: part of the. I mean, part of it, and you and you know this as a as a really fine writer is that is that putting words together that don't are not usually heard together sometimes opens up possibilities. So, you know, creative nonviolence. Mm. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> right. Forcing nonviolently when you put words together that don't go together, they open up possibilities.
0: That's so fascinating. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's really true. I mean, I know like my, I think probably all, yeah, I'm thinking of, for some reason, it just sparked something in me of like my most popular pieces of writing, and we're all kind of like that. Like, mm-hmm. the even even like the photo posts, like the 20 photo mm-hmm. photos of the Holocaust, I don't even remember the name of it now, but like, it was basically like positive image of images right. of the holocaust and there and then there was i didn't love my wife when we got married and then there was um my most popular which was robin williams didn't kill himself uh-huh. know, like these contradictions and whatever and bringing them together to be able to understand something on a deeper level
1: because that's it's, when uh, you're tapping into what we mean by now if we can go back to kind of sp- spirituality yeah that is the one of the deep insights of of if we are, if we really mean it, spirituality, you can't, you can't, you can't get up in the morning and say Shema Yisrael, right, and Echad, and and not understand that yes and no, or and Choshech, for right? good and Tov and Ra are all in the package together, mm-hmm. and. So this, just another way of saying that is when I put contradictions together, contradictory expressions, contradictory words, contradictory inclinations, intuitions, trajectories, when I put those contradictions together, you know, they they actually speak to our yearning for the infinite, mm. right? But we, it turns out we're finite, so you can't live there, you know, and, and you can't live in oneness, but you can have intimations and hints of it by a... A writer who says, "Gosh, I ne- that's what I never thought of that meant. I never thought of that before. I right, have now become yeah. more expansive. I have now contained more of the world, right? I'm now, I'm now a billionth of a less finite than I was before I read it. You <laughs> yeah, know,
0: that's really interesting. Yeah,
1: and that's and now it's a real. Now we have a real challenge. There are real things we have to do. We have to be able to metabolize and listen and metabolize. Listen to people we." we deeply disagree with, and try to metabolize our own emotions and the deep partial truth, which may not be a factual truth, because it's not that there are alternative facts, but there are widely different emotional truths. So mm. a person could be 100% wrong factually and and 100% right emotionally, psychologically. So, and that we're not so good at, mm. right? because we're generally speaking on different levels. So when I hear somebody, when I'm listening to, to, to our president last night, yeah. right, and I feel myself getting angry and I feel, I have to like recognize, first of all, I never met him. I don't know him. And my anger is a message to me, not about Trump. It's a message either, gosh, I'm not handling this right, or I'm really angry at myself for what? Now let me figure out what the for what is, because it's not a Trump. He, I don't know him. I can't affect him. I don't have any impact on him. He's like a he's a pebble in my pond, you know. In, in, <laughs> That's in, so interesting. He's, he's not real. He's a complete <laughs> projection. I mean, he's real for the people. He's real in that he has policies. But but that affect that is out of control. You know that I want to kill him on the television. <laughs> That's about. That's there's a part of me that I don't want to own that I'm killing that actually is producing Trump, Mm -hmm. and and me is a metaphor now for all of us who are resisting with such vehemence and you know anxious and apoplectic, etc. And it may be worthy of it, but it's not helpful (laughs) until we learn what it's about. And that takes actually a remarkable form of creativity too.
0: Yeah, I think um, being able to look inwards when there's so much
1: craziness, <laughs>
0: yeah, outwards, it's very hard. I I think it's I think that's the at least for me that's like become a a very big struggle. I think and I think obviously for so many people, you know, one of the things I was also thinking
1: was that and there's margins. I mean, yeah. the people, the more margins you have, the more risk taking you have to do in trying to understand this because a person is really being hurt, right. right you know if you're if you're being deported right, right. there's a different process right. okay but if the weird thing is is this and I don't know how we got onto the politics part of it but there's 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 so much anger by and fear by people who are actually not getting hurt okay and that is displaced something okay and it needs we're not going to be able to contribute creatively to the um, the next iteration of America, the resowing of the social contract, whatever we're talking, whatever we mean, whatever wh- whatever words work, until um, those of us who actually are not being hurt at the at the real level, right? We're not being deported. We have jobs. We have health care. Yes, it may go up a little bit. Yet that. I, we have to be uh, a lot more, a lot wiser about what's going on here. And I think that's what MLK also understood. He had margins. He did not grow up poor. Okay? And, And revolutions or evolutions in a society are generally led by people who have enough margins. They're not led by the people who are who are most, most vulnerable. Um, but it means that those people with the margins, they have to make sacrifices. And that's very hard, because after all, I, I, this week, it's the end of January, this week, I'm getting my, my you know end-of-the-year pension report. Right? My pension went up 22% this year. And let me tell you, as someone who is, I like to think, somewhat psychologically evolved, right, and somewhat a decent human being, my first thought was, wow. My second thought was, wow, <laughs> right? I like, made um, wow, I'm like really a little more safe and a little more secure. And it wasn't until my seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth thought that was, hmm, I wonder if something's a little off in this system hmm. that my having some capital and doing nothing but putting it in somewhere returned 22%. What is that about? Now, it's not a guilt trip. It's an ownership trip. <laughs> right. It's like people with margins are, are always the people who have to sacrifice most to lead to the next iteration because vulnerable people have nothing to sacrifice okay right and and the heavy duty plutocracy right won't sacrifice so that's why that's why the greatness of america was always that there was an emerging middle class because as long as you have a middle class you won't have revolution right it's when it's when People in the middle class get hollowed out, and they know what it should be like. They're a very dangerous group of people.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Also, it all makes me think um,
1: a lot about the Jewish community as well. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, but we're just we're just a version of it because we're embedded in it. So it's right.
0: Know. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's so interesting to me to see. You know, like I'll think, for example, about um, I'll see a a rabbi like a the the more the more, I don't know what the right word is, more right, right-wing, right religiously speaking, uh, rabbi like speak out against, let's say, um, sexual abuse and these sorts of things. And I, I know inside of myself, I feel this sense of empowerment, relief, excitement to see someone who I know is taking a risk. Mm-hmm. By doing that, who also, taking a risk, but is also, like you said, has a margin of, Ability to be able to do that Right Like
1: But we the, underestimate you know, I mean I know I'm at right. I mean a lot of times And I think there's an age thing too And Is Is To push ourselves It's like Moshe You know just a couple of weeks ago Right I mean Moshe Has a lot of margins He's uh, You know He's 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 this, He's You know Married to You know Daughter and, and He has a lot of Stuff And like he needs a burning bush experience, you know, to to capture his attention about what he knows unconsciously in that he's left this people burning behind. Mm. So it's not, it is the human thing to not risk everything we have right. too much. So, you know, that's understandable. Yeah. And in in the weird thing is in in, in the great companies and in the and in the entrepreneurship world we live in, right, we have things like bankruptcy laws that and and companies that that actually support failure, that that they support risk. What would it mean? What's what's the analogy for culture of bankruptcy laws for failure in entrepreneurship?
0: So, uh, What do you mean exactly?
1: When you have bankruptcy laws, they, bankruptcy laws in this country are what allow people to fail at the level they can. Mm-hmm. Okay, They're, It's a tremendous, tremendous safety net for the entrepreneur mm-hmm. and for businesses. What's the safety net for cultural risk-taking and political mm-hmm. risk-taking? What's the bankruptcy laws that <laughs> would allow a failure in risk-taking politically not to be the end of the person's life?
0: Mm. That's fascinating. Um especially because I feel like that's something I've seen since I started since we started Nishamas and like all these things. You see people you know, actually before we started Nishamas, um uh, was when I saw it the most because people we were like really encouraging people to not be anonymous. And we kind of really made a, a bunch mm. of arguments for it. We wrote posts about it, we asked people not to and so there were so like there were just a bunch of people like we just kept getting feedback that was like if I reveal who I am like my life will be destroyed right. or someone else's life will be destroyed or it doesn't have to be that extreme but it could be my life will be upended or something like that and and then you see and and so so fascinating to me then to see okay so like let's create a platform where the cost is is lower right so anonymous writing so like. Um, and then we get the flack for it because we have the ability to take that. So, um, so it's really interesting then to see what happens when, when like you're saying, there is this margin where the, a person is not, doesn't feel like there is at risk. And all of a sudden you're like, speaking of creativity, things that I never would have read, never would have known about, never like never in a million years would have thought is so like common and stuff like that. And, um, I think that's actually what's really interesting about what you're saying is also like the Me Too phenomenon, for example, um, and is an example of, I think, what you're describing, which is people saying, I need to be able to say this without it potentially destroying my life. Um, I need to be able to make this accusation or speak up or talk about this without no one believing me and and all the consequences that come with with talking about sexual abuse. And... um, and ah, it's so interesting that way of describing it because I think that's so true. Like this idea of risk, um, cultural risk, is really powerful.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's I never what thought about. We it like read that. these great, so we read stories. I mean, that's part of the when we read about it about heroes. Whatever. it's that they have risked everything from person to status to power. Um, takes a lot. I mean. If you look at the, you know, uh, let's say somebody like the Buddha, think the Buddha, you know, starts off as a prince. Mm. Sort of like Moshe, you know, starts yeah. off as a prince. And, and though this is actually his family, it's not a prince in an adopted court. But, but And look at the sacrifice that he has to make to be able to, in this case, become more enlightened, offer a path. In that respect, to mitigate suffering, and it's 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 hard, right? Because the 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 rewards are always posthumous for the most part, mm. right? So, so, it reminds me actually also. Of... <laughs> it's kind but of but a to random... be creative yeah. with your life. Yeah. Talking about being creative with your life, right? Right? Yeah. To literally create a new world because of what you have risked and sacrificed.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because it reminds me of Tolstoy a bit as well, because he was like this person who had everything like, because he he became so rich and so influential. Like he was described as more powerful than the Tsar and like all these, was it Tsar? Whoever was in charge of the, of Russia at the time. And um, just like he, he had such influence and he, I think it could be argued it was asceticism, but I think he was more trying to, Really, very strongly live out and make a point that like this. This is this is not the goal in life, you know. Like th- through his art and through his his expression and and the and just the way he lived his life, you know, where he kind of is it was, his it was, it was a fascinating. Like I can't like go into the whole thing, but it's yeah. it's so interesting to me to think about that. Like even when you're not a Buddha, but you're a an artist or an influencer, like to right. be able to say. Not giving up on power in the sense of like I'm just giving up on it, but I'm using it to, to raise up others, and 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 it's just
1: and in general, we yeah. you know we I, I think as human beings very often we we have fantasies of power and nightmares of powerlessness. <laughs> so we're generally not as powerless as we imagine and as That's we funny. most fear, and. We're generally, most of us, not as powerful as we fantasize. And the, mm. and the key is to know which one, which one are you mucked and mired in mm. at the moment. Your fantasies of power, which means you're exploiting people mm. because you're more deep, because you actually don't have as much power as you think, or are you undermining your own agency mm. uh, for understandable reasons, but, but it's a nightmare, it's not real. It's not yeah. real, but then we have to have wider understandings of power too, because there's there's people have portfolios of power. There's financial power, but there's also there's also um, uh, emotional power and psychological power and spiritual power. There's there's a portfolio of power that we have, and it's like anything else. It's just like you want to diversify your portfolio to be able to make it financially and economically. You want to we want to diversify our 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 power portfolio too, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And and tend we tend to over, um, you know, compensate for certain areas. So you can have very very limited inner power, but an interior psychological power. So and your so it's going to manifest as having, you know, probably taking up too much external power. So it's how do you create a portfolio of power? Know know when you need to actually take out deposit and do something, because. Right. That's actually so interesting. In the the greatest creative character, either metaphysically true or the one we created, God, it it turns out the greatest insight with the complete levels of power is tzimtzum. Knowing when to do tzimtzum Mm. is a really big thing. And it's hard even for God to learn that, right? Right? Early on, I don't think God's doing the best job of it, right? Because there's a lashing out because you have the power. Right, the you know, ha the ability to to know your yateser, your your energy, which is another form to know your power, big. That's and and I think the relationship which has not been mined between power and trust, between power and creativity. I don't think we've mined that hmm. uh, that much.
0: Definitely not. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I think. I remember um, I was just listening to this comedy podcast, I'm a big fan of, and this the, one of the the there's like a few people on it. And one of the, the the main guy, the comedian, he's a stand up comedian as well. He was talking about how frustrated he is um, about. I'm trying to think if it was hecklers or people who write afterwards, and it was basically it was just. Really complaining about, about these these sorts of people. Either either way, kind of either they're heckling them on while he's on stage or off stage, and and the other guy is, he's kind of like an insightful person. He, he says, "You know, I think part of why they do that is they don't they feel powerless relative to you." And so they, but they, what they don't understand is how powerless you feel, great, and how vulnerable you feel when you're on stage, because you're simultaneously the most powerful and the least powerful person in the Correct. room. right? When you're a, a that's great an artist, that's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal yeah. insight. Yeah, I was fascinated by that. I was like, I like changed my whole experience as a writer because, like, to know, you know, when you get these angry comments, all these things. At the same time, the reason that they do that is is. They they're like oh, you're this guy who has this whatever form this yeah thread. and so like I'm in my head I'm like do you have any idea <laughs> how, how vulnerable how how I painful, just been yeah. putting this out there how painful oh my <laughs> especially if it's something personal whatever you're right and um and so but then but they, but they, it's also true like they, it's also right that I have this power to like shut them up or whatever or to ignore them or and 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 that's really painful for them and I think that's such a wow, I think I means, think
1: us being able to help each other, assess, you know, where we are on the continuum of powerlessness and power in different domains is really important. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because we misunderstand so often, I mean, as as president of KLAL, so I have external power, okay? But the vulnerability that comes with that, now, also you have to not over-dramatize the vulnerability that comes with it right, because exactly. you really do have real power. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. so it's, and these are really... You know, and, and there's a lot of variables, <laughs> yeah. right? But that's what, that's what a healthy culture should do. A healthy culture should be able to help each other, you know, say, oh, gosh, you know, you have more agency than you think. And the person could say, you may think that, but here's why I don't think I do. And they oh, okay, yikes, you're right, you know. And yeah. and, and, and that's the, that's, I mean, that's the culture. That's the cult. That's covenantal trust. That's what covenant is, that the characters can say to each other really, really difficult things and know. Um, no one's leaving, no one's leaving, you know, no one's walking out and no one's walking out forever. And, you know, I think that that, if you project on the universe, a sense that there's this covenantal relationship, um, whether it's with your God, with the universe, with life, if you, which is a tremendous act of creativity, um, psychologically, literarily, um, spiritually, if you can Live in light of that keilu as if we have a better shot, right? but we have to match it in our, as best as we can, and and we can't have the unconditional uh, the the unconditional trust that we so want that we imagine God has for us in in our liturgies, etc. Right by definition, it's it can't be had fully. So how do you live knowing? That what you want more than anything else, to be unconditionally loved, unconditionally valued, uh, unconditionally wanted, that it turns out what it means to be human is to yearn for that, but to live in the space between the yearning and what you have. That's really, that's hard. That's, that's hard. But then you have things like this where people can have real conversations. You know, this isn't happening in that many places. (sighs) Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. We're
0: we're out of time, but I think... Okay,
1: good. No, thank you.
0: This is is a great way to end it, actually. Thank God we have this, right? Or we have <laughs> right. not this, Perfect. but the ability yeah. to discuss yeah. and to I meant talk this and... on all the levels. Yeah, I meant exactly. this, I meant this little this right here, <laughs> you know, at
1: 440. And yeah. and but I, but I but I meant but I meant this, the relationship, right. and this what we're trying to build and
0: Yeah, all of the, this. That's mm-hmm. so good. Thank you so much. Thanks. You're very well wonderful. Thank you for listening to Hivria Cast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hevriya.com or facebook.com slash mag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing and hearing from you again.